Uh, all right, we're going to get into today's uh, message. Happy Father's Day, in case it hasn't been said enough uh, today to all our dads and men out there. Uh, today's Father's Day is, um, this message today is a little bit countercultural, a little bit counter uh, the norm for our guys especially. So, and really this whole sermon series that we've been on that we've called True Religion uh, is really a deep dive into our inner person, into our emotional health. And for everyone, but especially men, that's, uh, that's tough work. We feel like that kid screaming, no, 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 I don't want to talk about this. I honestly find that uh, I'd rather do eight hours of physical labor than one hour of emotional labor. Um, like even 15 minutes of emotional work is just tough, heavy lifting. And, uh, you know, I'm screaming, no, no, get me out of here because I'd rather be mowing the lawn or uh, doing something else, digging a ditch or whatever. Anything is better. Cleaning a urinal, sure, whatever. It's all better than emotional work in my books. So this is, this is hard for me, and I know it's hard for a, a lot of us, okay? Um, but emotional health is the uh, condition, the growing and the maturing of our inner man or our inner woman. And like I said, it's often ignored. And it's why actually some of the things that we laughed at in that video um, are so hard for us to say. Uh, things like, like, they should be the easiest things for us to say, but yet they often are the hardest. Like words like, I love you, okay? Or, I'm proud of you. Or, I was wrong. Or, I need help. Oh. For everyone, but especially guys. Especially dads, I need your help. Oh, that's hard to say. Uh, likewise, uh, it's also hard to say, no, I can't do that. To actually say no to something or to express your limits in something, it's just, it's hard. So when it comes to the condition of our inner man, there is often, a, to put it in a, a, a metaphor that I think a lot of us uh, would understand, it's like our inner man is built on a sinking or a cracked foundation. Or it's like there's um, rotting beams in the structure holding up who we are on the outside. Or it's like, um, you know, the, the plumbing or the electrical hasn't been done to code. And so there's just something that's about to... To, to light up and cause a fire or there's something that's about to spill out and what spills out is not pretty it is ugly and we can ignore those things we can ignore like you know, when you buy a house uh, or live in a house you can you can ignore the the sinking foundation or the cracks or whatever you can ignore the plumbing and the wiring that's that's not the code you can ignore that a you know a, a structural beam wasn't um, is rotting away or something something about it isn't right you can ignore those things you know, to your and to others' per potential peril. Or you can begin start to, starting to open up the walls, so to speak. You can start getting out the jackhammer. And you can begin to let the master carpenter, JC himself, begin to gut the house that is our inner man or our inner woman. Begin to 
do some renovations and to begin to do some much needed repair to how we've been built and how we are structured to begin to renovate our hearts and just like a falling you know a falling apart house demonstrates that it wasn't built right shortcuts were made ignorance was manifested lack of experience is shown or even fraud in the workmanship of how things were done so too with us how we were built how our parents raised us the world around us how they how the world has formed and built us what the world has said is the proper code of how a man or how a woman should be our own sin gets thrown into it as well with our own selfish desires and decisions and foolishness along the way and all of it shapes and forms who we are not just on the outside but even more importantly who we are on the inside because scripture does say that out of the heart is the wellspring of life it's our foundation uh, how we are wired and how we are in terms of our health in our inner man Thomas Merton uh, an American monk born in 1915 he uses the language that I find particularly interesting and almost shocking, saying that any sin is violence to our soul. Any sin is like violence done to our soul. Every time that we sin or someone sins against us, it is an act of violence. Damage is done, and if left unfixed, we bleed out on others and we in that bleeding out on others we are also depleted of what we need to be fully alive and fully healthy and we we walk with a limp or we are apathetic or lethargic or we're tired or we're stressed in life when when really we probably needn't be or shouldn't be if we had addressed something prior in life now certain sins, certain sins are easy to see how they have done violence to our soul. I mean, I think of um, abuse in all of its forms. I think of uh, maybe a parent that just was absent, just walked out on the family, um, you know, early on in someone's life. I think of uh, addictions uh, of, of various kinds. All of those are, I think they're easy for us to understand how that does violence to our soul. But then there are other sins that while they're, they're socially acceptable and they don't seem like they, they do much violence to who we are, they actually do just as much damage in the long run in a more subversive way. Sins like, uh, you know, being a workaholic. Sins like sarcasm, holding a grudge, being apathetic, gossiping, perfectionism. Uh, prayerlessness, prayerlessness. That's the that's the word I'm looking for. That's a hard one. We just we go throughout our day, our week, without actually communing with God in prayer. Having worldly ambition, you know, the world and even the church sometimes will will give you a pat on the back, at a boy for being so aggressive or so uh, ambitious, and yet it could be completely sinful. Pride, busyness legalism being controlling everything's got to be just perfect or I want everybody else to act in a certain way or whatever it might be being uh, discontent 
and the list goes on of all of these kind of almost socially acceptable sins that we don't think are really that big of a deal. And yet, these are subtle sins that have just as much of an impact on the condition and the health and the growth of our soul as the big ones or the immediate ones uh, when they happen. Left unattended, they will slowly do just as much damage. It's death by a thousand cuts. It's the slow drip behind the wall that when it goes on for years and years and we just kind of clean up the mold in that corner of the kitchen, you know, every year when it gets bad or whatever, and that's how we deal with it. And then all of a sudden we're surprised when the, the whole kitchen floor is rotted out and we fall into the basement or whatever could happen if left unattended. It rears its ugly head. In the book that we've been using as a guide for this sermon series, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, the author mentions two sins that are very subtle and yet very um, hurtful to, to our health and our well-being as, as men and women that we often dismiss as not a big deal, it's not a serious thing that we need to figure out in our lives, and yet they are. They are so pervasive and so subtle and yet so critical to our well-being that left unattended, uh, these two sins in particular will cripple us. They'll zap us of our strength, of our energy, of our ambition, of our patience and our love for one another. And yet we often don't even begin to connect the dots to the source where that drip is coming from in our life. These two subtle sins are, the first is disconnecting from God in our weekly rhythm. And the second sin is disconnecting from God in our daily life. Meaning we trample on the Sabbath, God's weekly design and rhythm for our lives as human beings. And in our days, our, the other six days of the week, we, we, we walk through the business of the day uh, distant from God, disconnected from God. The Sabbath was so important and is so important to how to do well that it actually was one of the big top ten commandments given to us by God. Exodus 20, verse 8 to 11 says this, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it, you will not do son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. We read. Think about this. The Israelites are coming out of after 400 years of slavery, working seven days a week for generations generation. And God miraculously delivers them from the three and he reminds them of how to be human. Because they've been slaves their whole life. Just working for the man. 24-7 hustle. Getting ahead in life. Getting what's mine. Getting what's owed me. And yet here we have God instructing them through the Ten Commandments and in other ways as well. Reminding them of how what it means to be a human how to be a human well. 
how to actually live according to the operator's manual for a long life and good health and high efficiency and function. And he has to remind these workaholic slaves to remember the Sabbath. We are human beings. We are not human workings. We're not human doings. Six days a week, we are to work. And there is meaning and there is beauty in the work that we are called to do. But one day a week, we are called to stop our work. And God modeled this, even himself, in his work of creation. It's why one of the songs that we actually sing sometimes, there's a line in there that always drives me nuts. I haven't told anybody this, but it's coming out now, okay? It's that line in that song, you never stop, you never stop working, you never stop, you never stop working. You know that song? I don't know what song it's in. I just, that phrase just irks me to no end. Uh, Because it's not true. God does stop working. God actually tells us that he stops to rest and that we should too. He actually sits back to enjoy the fruit of his labor and, and the relational oneness that he has in and of himself in the Trinity and in, in and of, that he has in and of uh, the creation that he has created to enjoy us and us him. Now I know, by the way, that the, I'm assuming that the, whoever wrote that song, <laughs> you never stop working, their intent behind it, and even the context helps kind of qualify it, okay? They're not actually talking about like working six days a week and stuff. It's more like, God's attitude or his posture towards us that he never gives up on us. It's not it's like he doesn't quit on us. So I can, I can stomach the lyrics with that context in mind, all right? But, but left unchecked, it can add to this idea or to the, the gravity of our world and the, the pull of our flesh to, to be a, a, a human doing and not a human being, to be a human working. And that's not how God made us to be. And when we do work seven days a week, we begin to find our identity in what we produce. And the world begins to respect us and value us based on what we produce versus who we are. And it's not good. It's making us actually less human. It's making us less like God, of his image lived out in us. It's actually making us less familiar with God's love and his goodness and delight as we distance ourselves through busyness, through work, through getting ahead in life, to controlling and maintaining our comfort and our control and our little kingdom. To be human is not to work all the time. It is also to rest. To rest one day a week is divine. A true Sabbath is a 24-hour period where out of obedience, worship, submission, love, and delight in God, we stop working and we turn to activities that are both restful and bring greater delight and awareness of God, of His goodness, of His beauty, and of His mercy. And it doesn't have to be a Saturday or a Sunday I attempted on Mondays, and I use the word attempt because I fail more than I succeed in this area. I attempt to keep a 
Sabbath on Monday. For most people that work Monday to Friday, you know, a nine to five job or whatever, probably may, Sundays do make the most sense uh, for, for them to have uh, the Sabbath on a Sunday. And the Sabbath isn't an obligation in terms of I, I have to do it. It's a gift. It's a gift from God. He blesses that day we read in Scripture. It is a gift from God to make us happy in who He is. That's what it means to be blessed. To be blessed is to be made happy by God. Sabbaths are a gift. They're not a have to. They are a get to. For our lives personally and for our homes and our, for our families, our kids, our spouses, us, we should all be looking forward to the Sabbath. Not as an obligation or as a duty, but as perhaps the best day of the week. And I find that a Sabbath done well turns my first working day of the week into the best day of the week too because I'm rested and I'm excited to get back to work. For me to do a Sabbath well, um, I figured out through trial and error that I have to say no a lot more throughout the week. Because if I say yes too much throughout the week, then I put too much on my plate and it bleeds over into my Sabbath. Because I didn't say no uh, and what I could do in the six days. So there is, a, there is a limit and there is a discipline that is needed in order to keep the Sabbath holy. And it entails saying, I am a human. I have to do what I need to do, get done. What God is asking me to do in six weeks, in six, sorry, in six days, not in seven days. So I have to say no more during the week than I like to. I also find that I need to plan and prepare for the Sabbath in order for it to go well. If I don't plan or prepare, it's a gong show. I end up working. <laughs> I have to plan and prepare, even do a little bit of an order to the day, otherwise I will wander from it. I also have to turn off my phone. It's constant distractions. Uh, I have to... Um, I also find that in my addiction to work, I find that um, I, 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 the, the sin of my addiction to work carries over into how I plan and prepare for my Sabbath. And that I, I plan tons of things to do on my Sabbath. It's more realistic for me to do uh, in a day. And so as a result, I am hurrying, getting things done on the Sabbath. And that's not the way it's supposed to be. There needs to be a spacing and an ability to linger and there needs to be a slowness to it that I can be fully present and not always thinking about what's next, but to be fully present and, and fully in the moment. I also have found that I have, to, I have to honor how I'm wired. You know, what I find to be restful and to grow in my delight in God, the activities and the spaces and the times that produce that on the Sabbath are perhaps not the things that would do the same, produce the same things for you. You know, uh, where I feel most at rest and in a place of delight in God is I just enjoy lingering in the morning, having a long, slow morning. A few cups of coffee, reading the Bible, journaling a little bit, throwing on some worship music, 
and two hours can just go by like that. And it's wonderful. I like I mentioned this a week or two ago, I love mowing the lawn. For some of you, that's work, and you should not mow the lawn on the Sabbath. But for me and how I'm wired, I feel God's pleasure. You know, when I'm mowing the lawn, it's like his just shine, sun is shining down. There's not a care or a worry in the world. Just boop, 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 driving along. I got my sound isolating headphones on with music uh, on or whatever, and uh, it's just awesome. It's life-giving. It's soul-renewing. Uh, I also enjoy cooking on the Sabbath. Some of you, that's just work. It's like, I don't want to cook. I'm a day off. I love cooking. And especially when you're not rushed. And you can just, maybe got a hankering for something. And it's like, oh, Greg told me about that, I don't know, whatever, ribeye steak at such and such a butcher. I'm going to go and get that. And I'm going to throw that on the barbecue. That's fun. It's restful. I like going on scenic drives. I like hitting the golf course. I like puttering around in the shop. No projects, just puttering tinkering over here, sweeping over here, adjusting this, whatever it might be, puttering the shop. Love having a bonfire, roasting some weenies. Love that. That's me. It's how I'm wired. Some of those things might be the worst thing ever for you, and that's okay. You know, you have to need, you need to try and to see what works for you and what works for your family. It doesn't have to be the same thing each week. You might like to rotate through some things or try new things until you get into a groove or a rhythm or a rotation. You know, maybe if, you do, if your Sabbath is a Sunday, maybe it's a, a leisurely breakfast for you and your family. Or if you don't like cooking and that's just terrible, then they go to McDonald's for hotcakes. I don't know what it is. You know, come to church. You get here 15 minutes early, wonderful. You get here five minutes late, we'll forgive you. All right? <laughs> You, you come in here and you, you, just, you just enjoy God's goodness and worship. And you, you open your, your ears to the Spirit and to the Word through what's shared and what's said and what's done. And, and not in like an obligation, oh, I have to be. Or I'm like, I'm doing you a favor by being here this morning, God. You know, you owe me one for coming to church on Sunday. You know, that kind of a thing. It's, it's not like that. It doesn't have to be like that. It can actually just be masks off resting and delighting in God. No agenda, no, uh, you know, expectations in terms of I got to do this or they have to do this or I hope the music's good today because if not, my mood's going to be horrible for the rest of the day. Whatever it might be, just enjoy and delight in the simple. Be fully present before God, before one another and just have a conversation. And if it goes well, wonderful. And if it's an awkward conversation, it's an awkward conversation. Move on, you know, kind of a thing. Just enjoy it. You know, go home after church. You know, uh, uh, veg, if that's what you need to do, you know. Just relax. Enjoy one another or enjoy some peace and quiet with some headphones on or whatever it needs to be. Maybe you like going for a hike. Maybe you like going for a paddle or a walk or a run. Maybe you just like playing some good music. Maybe you like to read a book, sip some tea, some coffee, work on a hobby. Maybe you, uh, you know, like... Um, uh, tying a fly or getting out the easel and painting or uh, throwing some clay on the wheel if you're into that blowing some glass I don't know whatever your hobbies are you know perfecting your smoking technique for you know your your um, pulled pork or whatever I don't know 
have friends or have family over and only the kinds of family are the only kind of friends that actually you enjoy being around. It's life-giving, soul-renewing, where God's goodness and pleasure are, are experienced in the fellowship and in the community of his fellow creatures that don't rub you the wrong way, but you just enjoy who they are for who, the, who they are, say, kind of a thing. Okay? You can work on a puzzle. You can watch a good movie. You can play some games. Go to bed early. Get a good night's sleep. And it's not, um, you know, I start listing on some of these activities, and you might think, oh, it's a me day. I like this idea of a Sabbath because it's all about me. And there is a certain degree to, of truth to that because Jesus actually did say that, that, that uh, the Sabbath was made for, for man. The Sabbath was actually designed for our well-being, for our enjoyment. So there is truth to that, but it's not just a me day. It's a me and he day. Okay? It's me and him together, being fully present with Jesus, and I can be because I'm not distracted or weighed down by the work or the responsibilities of my life or of my week or my day. I can be fully present with him and just enjoy him for who he is through the activities, through the spaces, through the lingering, through the time that I have for me today. For, for, for me today. That's what it's about. It's a me and he day. Keeping the Sabbath in that way is so countercultural, and yet the Sabbath was specifically made for us. To ignore the Sabbath is to do violence to our soul. Think about that. How God made you, how He wired you, to ignore the Sabbath is to do violence to your soul. We become less and less human, less and less like God because we never stop working, okay? Each time we sin in this area. Okay, moving on. Not only are we to keep God front and center in our weekly rhythm and honor Him every week in the way that we keep and honor the Sabbath, but also in our daily rhythms too. Have you ever noticed how maybe you had, you know, you were able to carve out a, a decent time with the Lord in the morning, and it was just a sweet time with the Lord? Uh, the, 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 the scriptures just jumped, jumped off the page, or you were listening to Him speak to you through the Word and your journaling, or whatever it might be, and, and it's just a really good, um, impactful, meaningful time with the Lord in your morning devotions. And then it only takes like 15 minutes for some of us an hour later, maybe that afternoon, and if not by then, then definitely at dinner time or at bedtime, you know, all of a sudden there just becomes this huge distance between how holy and in love we were with God in our morning devotions and how unholy and unloving we are an hour later or an afternoon later. We tend to lose our connection or our closeness with God throughout the day. Now, nowhere in Scripture does it say or command us to have devotions two times or, or three times a day or even five times a day. It's, it's, there's nowhere there where it's an actual command. But a careful read of Scripture and a careful read of our humanness, our brokenness, and the human experience 
they will tell us quite closely, quite quickly, that we need to stop frequently throughout the day to get back on track with God. Because if we don't, as each day happens, we get carried away in the business of the day, the distractions, the temptations, the crises that arrive, or whatever it might be, we either get stuck in a certain place and Jesus is way ahead of us, or we race ahead and Jesus is still back there in that moment or in that scenario. We lose our closeness with God and with our closeness to God, our kindness towards others as we go about the day uh, distancing ourselves from Him. Uh, we forget, forget, we neglect His presence, His purpose, His pace, and His mind and His heart for our lives. You know, we read in Psalm 119, 164 that David had seven set times of prayer a day. Yeah. You read in the book of Daniel that he prayed three times a day. Devout Jews in Jesus' day prayed two to three times a day. And after Jesus' resurrection, his disciples continued to pray at certain hours of the day. They needed regular points of connection throughout the day. Don't we? Our own lived experience combined with the successful example and experience of faithful men and women that have gone before us will lead us to see the need that at regular intervals throughout the day we need to commune with God. We need to stop what we're doing and commune with God not derail the two in terms of like compartmentalize the two, but to stop in the sense that God is in control over all this thing and even begin to bring him and bring our situations to him to commune with him in that way. You know, whether it's in some of you are like, oh, I'm already busy enough in my day and I'm already not even doing morning devotions very well. Now you want me to do two or three or four times a day? Are you kidding me? It doesn't have to be long. Okay, there's no set time. There's no set requirement. It, it, it's you and God and what you need in your life. And, and with time, both the, not only the practice of Sabbath, but also the practice of regularly communing with God throughout the day, you'll begin to see how much better your day and your weeks go when you commune and submit to God for his rhythms and his points of connection throughout the day and each week. To ignore God's presence, his wisdom, and his gifts for each day and throughout each part of our day is again violence to our soul. And often we then do violence to others as well in the way that we snap, in the way that we um, slack off, in the way that we beat ourselves up in our heads with how we think about ourselves or a coworker, another person whatever it might be. We get tired and we get mentally exhausted and we can't have we'll capture every thought that's in our head to discern whether or not it's a truth or a lie and how we're going to live and how we're going to 
uh, interpret what we're feeling right now and all of the different things that go on in the ups and downs of our days and our weeks. Now, there's no need to be legalistic. Uh, I'm not here to prescribe uh, a specific way <laughs> or even how often this is to be implemented in your life. To a certain degree, there'll just need to be a lot of trial and error along the way, and that's okay. You can set an alarm on your phone, maybe for those moments in the day where you know you're just going to get cranky. Just set an alarm 10 minutes before, you know, the source of that crankiness enters the room, or <laughs> whatever it is, okay? Just to remind you, spend a couple of minutes in silence when that alarm goes off. Uh, as uh, a number of our leaders and pastors have been going through this emotionally healthy course uh, on our devotions and in the course, uh, we regularly have moments of silence and stillness, and it's the worst part for me. It's just brutal. I just, I, I hate it. And yet, I can see so much, not only because of my hate for it, <laughs> but also then when I get over the hate for it and actually embrace it and engage it, it actually does help. It actually brings life, it brings perspective, and brings strength and renewal to my mind, to my heart, as I sit quietly and just let God be God and let me be who I am before Him. There's something that happens in the soul, just even in the stillness before God. And so at regular times in the day, you might want to set an alarm and just simply be still, be quiet before Him have scriptures that you want to go through, whether it's just one verse. It doesn't have to be a big Bible study, but just contemplate on, on one verse at a time or one little section of scripture at a time. And it doesn't have to be some, like I said, long, I'm going to journal all this stuff. It could just be a few thoughts and just sit there and rest and meditate or contemplate what he is saying uh, through his word to you. You could have a list of, uh, on your phone or wherever, a list of contemplative questions that just begin to, to probe uh, where you're at in that day. And it's like maybe just a question as simple as like, you know, where in your body are you feeling tense right now? Back of your neck or whatever it might be. You know, where is, it, where is your body hurting right now? The, hurt, the body, by the way, is a prophet of sorts. It often is speaking to us in ways that our mind is not even alert to what's going on in our life prompting questions like that. Uh, you could journal, you know, if you're a, a hardcore journaler, okay, go for it. Just stop for a few a few times throughout the day and just journal out a little conversation with God or a prayer to God. You could throw on a praise song in your work truck. And over time, you'll start having co-workers on the job site. They're like, you know, where's Bob? He's uh, always disappears at three o'clock for five minutes. It's like, oh, that's that's Bob. He goes into his truck and listens to that Jesus music. You know, all of us are busting our butts out here, whatever it might be. But something will happen in you. Bob. Sorry, you actually have Bob in church now, so I'm not, not, not picking on you. But you know, something will happen to you that over time they'll be like, maybe there's something to what Bob is doing. Because the way that he works, or the kind of person that he is, is actually different than he was last year or last month. Or there's just these qualities about him that, that others may not ever verbalize, but they're definitely thinking. I like that about that guy. 
lots of different options. These are just you know, a few options and opportunities out of thousands. You could work on memorizing scripture. It doesn't have to be a long section of scripture. Maybe again, at that moment the, the alarm goes off or that, you know, a certain event in the day that kind of triggers for you another point of, uh, of communion and connection with God throughout your day. You pull out that verse that you're working on memorizing and you, you just begin saying it over and over until you got it. Or you could contemplatively recite the Lord's Prayer, not just get it out there, but actually think through each line of the Lord's Prayer in that moment. I have a feeling that as we go throughout our day, maybe, you know, three o'clock after two of your co-workers were a jerk, and then you all of a sudden start reciting the Lord's Prayer, and all of a sudden it's like, wait a minute, I'm supposed to forgive others as He has forgiven me. Well, all of a sudden, midday, there's a big heart check as you God. The point is, we are to walk with God throughout our day, not just once in the morning. We're not that strong or mature to be able to, to make it through our day without regular points of connection and communion with God. Maybe some of you have arrived there where you walk and talk with God all the time. Okay, throughout your day. I'm not there. Probably 98% of us you know, aren't there. We need regular times to help help us and to train us uh, into that reality, to that depth and, uh, and strength of relationship and communion with Him. You know, I was talking to one Parksider this week and they said that morning devotions for them are just really hard like in terms of a big chunk of time. And they do much better uh, having their morning their devotions, like a, a, a more concentrated time with God in the evening. It's great. Doesn't mean that you shouldn't or couldn't do something in the morning and mid afternoon too, if you want. But again, they don't have to be long. They don't have to be some big hour long power session with Jesus kind of a thing. It can just be very simple. I was talking to another Parksider that they like to have their quiet time with God just before they pick up the kids from school. They know that once those hooligans get in the car, it's just going to be a gong show. And they don't always react in the way that they want to react. And so they, you know, they, they, they go to the school a half an hour before school gets out, and they just sit in their car, and they just have some time with Jesus, asking him for strength <laughs> for what's about to be unleashed on them. The instruction and the invitation is this. It's not so much how we do it, but rather that, that we do it in a way that helps us truly delight and commune with God throughout our day and through keeping the Sabbath once a week. In that book that um, I've referenced a few times, there's a story in there, an illustration about how in some parts of the world, um, farmers find themselves having to get from their barn to their house and back in the midst of harsh winter conditions where it's so blizzarding. It's just whiteout conditions. It's like, you know, horrible cold. And they have to tie a rope between their house and their barn in order to find the barn and get to the barn safely. And then in order to get back to the house. And there's been stories where foolish or inexperienced farmers have died from the cold or lost in the blizzard because they couldn't find their way to the barn or to the house. In some cases, there's been people that have died just a few feet from their house. How tragic is that? 
And so experience and wisdom teach farmers to tie a rope between the two points so that they can actually hold on to something and make their way to and from the barn and the house. And, and, and the, the author gives this illustration because he, he compares it to this practice of keeping the Sabbath and making regular times to commune with God throughout our day as kind of the anchor points or the rope itself even between the barn and between the house as the blizzards of our day and the blizzard of our world and the blizzard of our week you know, seek to really devour us and to make us soulless, humanless, godless people. Feeding us, you know, whatever kind of analogy you want to use of that of a blizzard from lies and deception to temptations and, and uh, all of the other stuff that we buy into and get into, wander away from God. The practice, the wisdom of a farmer tying this rope is like the wisdom and the practice of the Christian tying a rope to the activity of keeping the Sabbath and the activity of regular times throughout each day with God, they become that rope that we hold on to that provide the safe way back and forth throughout our week and throughout our day. Together, these two practices, they actually become the rope by which we find our way in this life where we actually do life with God and for God. Not just on a Sunday morning when we get here, but each day of the week. It's incredible. Let's pray. Lord, help us to grab a hold of you as our rope in the blizzard today and in the blizzard that is this week to come. We need you. Lord, I know that the idea of stopping to be with you once or twice or even three times a day, it seems overwhelming. But we need you. We know we need you. So Lord, I pray that you would show each of us the way. That you would teach us to be prayerfully attentive to you. And Lord, that this idea of yours to keep the Sabbath, I know that it will require a lot of change in the way that many of us are living life. But Lord, would you lead us in how to take the next step into obedience in this area. Lord, help us to trust you with all that will remain unfinished. Especially when we're practicing our Sabbaths, Lord, that we would not try to run your world for you. Lord, today we invite you to set us free to begin reorienting our lives around you and you alone. In Jesus' name we pray.